Welcome to Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam, a podcast about navigating adolescence without losing our minds. Each week, I guide you around the teenage landmines with practical tips, simple solutions, and words of encouragement. I'm your host, Dr. Cam. Let's get on with the show. Hello, Calm Parents. Welcome back to Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. I'm your host, Dr. Cam. Today, I'm talking with Richard Capriola, the author of The Addicted Child, A Parent's Guide to Adolescent Substance Abuse. Richard was an adult and adolescent addictions counselor for over two decades. He recently retired from Menninger Clinic in Houston, Texas, and is now providing parents a roadmap on adolescent substance abuse through his award-winning book and its companion workbook. Welcome, Richard. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. Thank you, Dr. Cam. It's a pleasure to be here today, and I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me about this very important subject of adolescent substance abuse. Yeah, and I think like we were discussing right before this, it's becoming even more of a concern for a lot of parents because teens turn to it right for coping. It is a coping skill for many teens, uh, some, sometimes for anxiety, sometimes for depression. There's a lot of different reasons, but it, it, but it is a coping skill for so many teens. And this pandemic has added more stress and, and more difficulties for parents and for teens. So it is a, uh, an issue that I think a lot of parents are frightened of. Uh, a lot of parents uh, would prefer to avoid uh, you know, discussing, but it is a, it, it is an issue that parents do need to be informed about. They need to, they do, they do need to know some of the information so that they feel more confident and more prepared to deal with this issue if they need to in the future. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to hear, first of all, what inspired you to become a substance abuse counselor and to go into this field? Well, I have uh, a long career in education as a school administrator, and then towards the end of that tenure, I started working in a mental health crisis center, um, and I noticed that quite a few of the patients that were coming to our crisis center had both a mental health issue and a substance abuse mm -hmm. issue. So I went back to the University of Illinois and obtained a master's degree in addictions counseling. I was then offered a job after I worked for a while in the crisis center. Uh, uh, I went to work for Menninger Clinic in Houston, Texas, which is a large psychiatric hospital. Mm -hmm. And I was hired to be an addictions counselor for adults and for adolescents. And I worked there for over a decade. And so many times I would sit across from parents and I would explain to them their child's history of substance abuse. Mm -hmm. And they would look at me and they would say, I had no idea this was going on. Yeah. Or, they, or they would say, well, I suspected something was going on, but I didn't know it was this bad. So I wanted to create a resource for parents, a roadmap that would give them the basic information that they needed about adolescent substance abuse in a very compact version. The book runs about 100 pages. It's got very short chapters. It's not loaded down with a lot of jargon and a lot of yeah. scientific information. It's a very quick read, but, but it will give parents the basic information that they need about adolescent substance abuse and hopefully help them to feel more confident about this issue. Yeah, I think a lot of parents want that because 
it is scary. And it is one of those things that I think even when we suspect it, we go into denial because we don't know what to do about it. So let's talk a little bit about that. First, what we talked about coping, but what are some other reasons that teens might turn to drug use? Well, there's all kinds of reasons. Um, You know, there is no standard reason that applies to all kids. Some kids will get involved because they're curious about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some will get involved because of the peers that they're hanging out with and maybe some peer pressure. Uh, Some will try it just as to experiment with it to to see if they have a good reaction or a bad reaction. Uh, But but a lot of kids will also use the substance to, to medicate an underlying issue. Uh, For example, I've treated many young boys and girls who were smoking marijuana, often multiple times a day. And when I asked them to help me understand why they're smoking marijuana, the number one answer that comes back is it helps me with my anxiety. Um, You know, other kids might use it to help medicate uh, a feeling of depression. Some may use it because of, of they've had, maybe they've been bullied. Uh, There's a lot of different reasons as to why children turn to a substance abuse. And and that points to the need for, if you suspect your child is using a substance, the best thing to do is to get a comprehensive assessment so that you know what's going on and you have information as to what might be causing your child to use the substance. It could be a number of factors. So what, when you say a comprehensive assessment, what is that? What does that look like? I have an entire chapter on my book devoted to comprehensive assessments because it's so important. Um, You know, sometimes when we're dealing with a child that's using a substance, we will think, well, okay, let's get an addictions assessment done so we can find out what's going on. And that's true. You do need that. But you also need a full range of assessments. For example, you need a good physical exam to make sure that there's not anything medically contributing to your child's condition. You need a good psychological evaluation or a neuropsychological evaluation to see if there is any of these underlying mental health issues that might be leading to your child using a substance like anxiety or depression, or perhaps an eating disorder or self-injury, which which sometimes accompanies substance abuse. Mm -hmm. So you need a complete battery of tests so that what you're getting as a parent is a complete overview of things that might be affecting your child. Not just an addictions assessment, but a full complementary set of assessments. All right, because Basically, if we just address the addiction itself and not the problem underlying it, it's going to either come back or it's going to manifest in another way. That's exactly right. You may be able to you may be able to curtail it for a short period of time, but unless you address the underlying issue, if there is one, it's mm-hmm. more likely that that child will relapse and and perhaps even start using more of the substance. Right. So, we what if we are maybe let's get first what are signs we need to look for what if we're like we have no idea if they're doing it or not how do you how do we know 
I think that's one of the one of the best benefits of my book is that it gives parents warning signs. There are warning signs for alcohol use. There are warning signs for marijuana. There are warning signs for a child that might be developing an eating disorder or perhaps self-harming. So the, the warning signs are, are listed throughout the book. But as a general rule, what I recommend parents pay attention to is any changes that they see in their child. Mm -hmm. Don't assume that the changes you're seeing are just adolescent acting out behavior. They may very well be that, but they also may be a signal that something else is going on underneath the surface. So pay attention to the changes you see in your child. For example, you may have a child who was earning very good grades and now the grades are starting to decline. You may have a child who used to be very social and outgoing is now more reserved and isolating and, and quiet. You may have a child who used to participate in sports, now no longer wants to participate in sports. You may have a child who was very much at ease at introducing you to their friends, uh, no, becomes now becomes very secretive about their friends. So these are all signs that parents need to pay attention to. And the more of these changes you see, the more likely that there is something going on underneath the surface that you need to be concerned about. Yeah. And pretty much everything you listed is almost all across the board right now because of the pandemic. So, you know, I've seen grades dropping everywhere, um, and, you know, and, and obviously, you know, they're not able to do sports and go out with friends. So I think now even more, it's looking for those other, other nuances, right, of behavior change, because I mean, I just, I don't want parents to think because my child's grades are dropping, they're, they're doing drugs, which, you know, some people get this alarmist because so many kids' <laughs> grades are dropping. Right. But um, I think what you're saying is it's like a lot of different things are going to is that right? Yeah, I think the more of okay. these more of these changes that you see in the child, the more concerning it becomes. And and it may not be related to alcohol or drug use. It might be, you know, the child is starting to show symptoms of depression or maybe anxiety, yeah. uh, or it might be just it could be any number of factors. So so as a parent, you need to pay attention to those changes and then you know have a discussion with your child first to see if they can maybe help you understand it. Um, and then if it's still going on and you're still concerned, then, then you need to get some assessments done to, to either reassure you that, that there's nothing serious going on, or if there is something concerning, uh, you can get on top of it right away. So what if we do suspect or we even know um, that our kids are doing drugs? What do we do? How, what is the best way to address it, especially with our kids? Well, the first thing to do is have a conversation with your child and see, you know, if, if they're willing to talk to you about that. And, 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 and that'll probably go one of two ways. It'll either uh, blow up and, and the child will become defensive and perhaps angry, uh, or you might end up having a good conversation with the child and they're able to talk to you about it. Um, regardless of how that discussion goes, uh, you probably need to move to the next step, which is to get some assessments done. And so as a parent, you have a more comprehensive view of what's going on. So start with the discussion with your child. If you still feel concerned, if you still feel that you need more information, then move to the next step and get those assessments done. Okay. Um, and, and one thing I didn't hear you say was 
you know, go and yell at them and go through their drawers and take out all their drugs and throw them on the ground and get upset, right? <laughs> I, I think that's more likely to get you a negative reaction. But, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, exactly but, agree. <laughs> <laughs> so that is probably not something you want to do. But, yeah. but I stress in the parent workbook uh, the need for parents and, and for all of us really to learn good communication skills. And, yes. and by that, I mean, we're very good Dr. Cam at listening to other people's words. So when we're talking to our child, um, we, we've, we're very good at hearing the words they're saying, but sometimes we're not so good at hearing the feelings behind those words. And that's a skill that every parent can learn and every parent can practice. So that when you're talking to your child about your concerns about substance abuse or really any issue, you're not just hearing their words, you're hearing the feelings behind those words. Mm. If you can learn that skill and every parent can, you're going to find that you're laying the foundation for trust and communication that will pay dividends for years down the road. Yeah, and that is a message that goes across every situation, not just substance <laughs> abuse, right? Every situation, it's a matter of listening and understanding. I think as parents, we try to fix an awful lot. And when it comes to substance abuse, my guess, not my guess, I know, you know, as a parent, your red flags are going to go up everywhere and your panic alarms are going to go off and you're just going to get, there's so much emotion and fear that's going to get put in there, right? That's going to kind of change how we think there's going to be all this self-blame and shame and guilt and everything else because you're going to be like, oh my God, I failed as a parent. My child's doing this. What did I do wrong? Yes. So my you know, thinking is we need to first address those before we talk to our teens. As, as best as we can. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think as a parent, we're always going to be concerned. We're always going to be a, a little afraid. And when we suspect that our child is using a substance, that anxiety and that fear just skyrockets because we, we imagine the worst. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's what led me to to create the parent workbook that goes along with this book. I recognize that that parents are having these emotions, that parents need support as much as the child needs support. Yeah. So this parent workbook has them go through a number of exercises. It has some tips on how to manage uh, uh, anxiety, like with deep breathing exercises. It has some tips on how to develop these communication skills of listening to feelings as well as words. Um, and I think this workbook is best used in consultation with a good friend, another family member, a therapist, or a counselor, where you can get some feedback into the exercises that you're using. So I would encourage parents uh, to, to perhaps take a look at the workbook as well as the education book, too. Yeah, that's great. And do you have suggestions on how to prevent this? Or I know we can't guarantee we're preventing it, but what are some things that parents can do to lower the chance that your their kids are going to turn to drugs and substances? That's an excellent question because um, no child is completely protected from 
uh, uh, substances. I mean, when we look out there and we talk to, to kids about their perception on availability of substances, it's a little bit shocking to hear that 79% of seniors say that if they want to get marijuana, it's really easy for them to do so. And over 80% will tell us if they want to find alcohol, that's no big deal. They can do that too. And then we turn around and we ask them for their perception of harmfulness. How harmful harmful do you think these drugs are? And what we find is only about 30% of seniors will tell you that smoking marijuana is harmful. And that perception of harmfulness declines as children get older. Mm. So that perception of risk is, is different for seniors than for what it is at juniors. And as they go through high school, the way these kids look at how harmful drugs are declines. Um, uh, so, so it is, it, it is something that, that, that I think is, is alarming. And the other issue that we're noticing is that there has been a tremendous increase in vaping over the past mm -hmm. three years. Oh yeah. Vaping of nicotine and vaping of marijuana is, is just, is, is, is increasing at dramatic rates. Yeah, I agree. And I think a lot of parents didn't necessarily realize that they're actually worse than cigarettes. Um, because I think if our kids came home with a pack of cigarettes, we'd be like, uh, no, <laughs> but they are sitting there vaping and we're like, we don't know what that is. It, it's vape. It doesn't, it's vapor. It can't be bad. Right. But it's, yeah. it is. Um, but I think also when you're saying, you know, understanding the dangers, when we approach it from a lecture, this is dangerous. They're not going to hear any of that too. So I think that's a difficult, um, road for us to go down to really make it clear to our teens the dangers of doing that um yeah. and for them to process that's going to happen to me because a lot of teens are like yeah yeah it's dangerous for them not dangerous for me right so that's that's always a big challenge as well I have a chapter in my book uh, that is devoted to the neuroscience of, of addiction so that parents understand how drugs like marijuana work within the teenage brain. And in the years that I worked at Menninger and, and, and worked with uh, teenage boys and girls uh, who were using uh, drugs like marijuana, what I found was it didn't do me any good to tell them it was illegal. It didn't do me any good to tell them if they continue to smoke, their grades are going to decline. They might not make it through high school. They might not make it to college. They didn't care about any of that and they didn't believe it. But what I did find worked was the neuroscience approach. When I could talk to them about how their brain is developing and I could show them the different areas of the brain and what each area was responsible for. And then I could show them where marijuana attached itself to those areas of the brain, they could see for themselves why the processing speed of their brain was below average, why their short-term memory wasn't as sharp as it mm. used to be, why their motivation wasn't as good as it used to be. So the neuroscience was what really captured their attention as, as I emphasized the need to protect their developing brain that they were interested in. Yeah, that feels more like proof rather than just, oh, they're just saying this to scare me, right? right. To keep yeah. me away from something that I love. Exactly. So another question too, um, especially now that marijuana is becoming more and more legal, um, 
what are, do you believe, and I think this is kind of a, a controversial topic, but do you believe it's a gateway drug? And do you believe if we're starting to do marijuana, we're going, that's going to open the doors to harder drugs? I don't believe that any, any teenager who is using marijuana is destined to move on to harder drugs. Certainly that happens in some cases, you know, uh, but, but in a lot of cases, it, it, it's, it's not going to happen. Sometimes it will be a phase, uh, but, but anytime that you have a child who is using a substance and their brain is still in the process of developing, you increase the risk mm -hmm. that that child will get addicted to that substance. And the more they get addicted to substance raises the, the probability that not only will they carry that addiction into adulthood, but they may experiment with other substances as well. It's not guaranteed, but it is uh, it does place that child at higher risk of moving on to uh, perhaps other drugs in the future. Right. And the, and the development of that habit during adolescence is exactly what, you know, I talk to parents about too, is just everything that's happening to kids at that age, their brain is growing and it's creating all these neural connections. So it's strengthening all those connections right then. So that's, that's the time in our lives where a lot of our addictions really start. Almost all addiction starts yeah. in adolescent years. Yep. Uh, there are some exceptions like with opiates and pain relievers that, that might start after an injury for an adult, but almost all addiction starts in the adolescent years. Yeah. Yeah. So if parents want to work with you, I know, and find your book, I mean, your book sounds amazing and has all these tips. How do they find that? Um, it's available on Amazon. Uh, you can go to Amazon and just type in, um, you know, the addicted child, uh, Richard Capriola, or the easiest way is to go to the book's website. Uh, the book's website will have endorsements for the book. It has book awards. It has um, reviews. Um, it has uh, a, a sample chapter. Uh, that people can can read. It has an outline of what's in the parent handbook. Uh, so there's a lot of resources and there is a link uh, that will take you directly to Amazon where you can purchase either the book or the parent workbook. Uh, if you like to if you like to read on a Kindle, this book is priced at 99 cents. So it is very affordable for just yeah. about everybody. Um, if you prefer to have a paperback version because you like to you know fold pages and underline and highlight which many people do uh, that's available for less than ten dollars so the book's website is helptheaddictedchild.com if people go there they can find the resources there's also a link where they can send me a message as well wonderful thank you um, and then any parting words of encouragement um, for parents with teenagers yes I have two first of all uh, there is hope even if your child is using a substance, there is, there is hope. Our brains have a remarkable capacity to heal themselves once we stop using substances. So, you know, don't give up hope. Uh, you know, uh, there is help for yourself and for your child if you are confronted with this. I understand that it's a very scary situation. That's normal. That's a normal feeling. Uh, but there is hope that there can be recovery and help for both you and your child. And 
the second thing I would say is as a parent, learn as much as you can about adolescent substance abuse. Don't mm -hmm. be afraid of it. Get a copy of this book. It's not going to cost you very much. And it's and the chapters are very readable. Hopefully you'll walk away after reading the book and think, okay, I've got this. I understand this a little bit better. I'm prepared if I need to be. So knowledge is power you know, invest in, in learning a little bit about this and hopefully it'll help you feel more confident. That's wonderful. Yes. Thank you. And I, I love that there's always hope. So do not give up. Yes. Um, keep finding <laughs> solutions. There's always something else we can look into. Exactly. So Richard, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so grateful for your time. And thank you parents for taking time out of your busy days to spend with us. If you wanna learn more about how to connect with your teen and calm the drama, be sure to join me on Tuesday evenings for the Parenting Teens Power Hour. I have a bunch of amazing experts like Richard lined up to share their best tips and secrets and it's free. You can register at askdrcam.com slash power hour. And I'll put the link in the show notes along with all the links that Richard um, talked about to you to his book. Also, if you enjoyed this episode and all the amazing nuggets that Richard shared with us, please take a quick moment to rate and review. This helps other parents like you find the show. Feel free to share it with a friend too. Have a peaceful, positive, calm day. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today on Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. Make sure to visit my website, www.ask.com drcam.com where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS so you'll never miss a show again. While you're at it, if you found value in this episode, I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes and hey, why not share it with a friend too? Be sure to tune in to my next episode. And remember, parenting teens may not be easy, but with my help, it can be a whole lot easier than this.